Nothing beats traveling somewhere new, right? Out there in the world, visiting incredible places, trying amazing food, getting to know extraordinary cultures. When people travel with Intrepid, it's even better than that. It's good. Good for the planet. Good for people. Good for you. Intrepid small group trips are designed for socially and environmentally conscious people who seek out the good in the world. To find a trip that's good for people and planet, visit intrepidtravel.com. Intrepid. Good trips only. Greek storyteller Aesop once wrote that it's possible to have too much of a good thing. A new documentary about to hit Australia suggests this even applies to international travel. The Last Tourist shines a spotlight on over-tourism and its impact on the environment, wildlife and vulnerable communities around the globe. Are we destroying the very things we are all so desperate to see and experience? Has travel lost its way? Tourism is under the microscope and the clock is ticking. Welcome to Talking Travel, your home for all the big stories, major interviews, and a little bit of gossip from the world of travel with your hosts, John Underwood and Matt Lennon. Hello, everyone. I'm John Underwood, Managing Editor of Travel Talk, Australia's favourite travel news magazine. And I'm Matt Lennon, Digital Editor of Travel Talk. Welcome to Talking Travel Part 2. Who'd have thought the people would want more, John? We had a fantastic response to our first broadcast, so now we're back with Talking Travel 2, the sequel. Ooh, but you know, John, the sequel is not always as good as the original. Remember Jaws, The Revenge, or Speed 2? How could I forget? Still gives me nightmares for all the wrong reasons. But it's funny you should mention films, Matt, because that's part of what we'll be talking about today. A new doco is about to turn the spotlight on the hot topic of over-tourism and its impact on the world around us. Today, we're delighted to be joined by Tyson Sadler, director of The Last Tourist, and the film's executive producer, Bruce Poon Tip, whom you may also know as the founder of G Adventures. Now, Bruce, tell us a bit about your experience with over tourism and what you've seen and when you first sensed a serious problem was emerging. Well, over tourism uh, pre COVID was, was a buzzword that was um, being thrown around. And I guess it, it, it immediately was um, directed towards highly, um, you know, visited areas like, especially the iconic, uh, iconic regions of the world, like the pyramids of Egypt or Venice, Machu Picchu, the, uh, the Great Wall, things like that. But I, you know, I used to think that that over tourism was at the moment was a buzzword, but it was just developing on how it was going to be defined because over tourism could mean a lot of different things. It could be like small communities having just, you know, a few people visit regularly could actually create over tourism because people are pushing into more and more remote areas. And you can experience um, over tourism with just a couple hundred people. It doesn't have to be hundreds of thousands or millions visiting a destination a year. So, you know, I guess um, it's, you know, when it started being used as a term uh, for these iconic big destinations, I almost look at those destinations as completely different because they're more like amusement parks and they can handle traffic. And I thought the real threat for over tourism was as people push more and more into remote areas and go and want to be and want to visit kind of fragile tribes and communities. Over tourism becomes becomes defined very differently, and that's when it started coming onto, onto our radar. As we have more and more tra- travelers wanting to see, you know, more of what they call authentic destinations, and in order to create authentic, you have to look at over tourism in a very different way. 
And we started looking at it just before COVID. Um, but, you know, at the time it was like these, you know, looking at big crowds. And those big crowds are a problem, but it's a very different problem. Uh, I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Bruce, there when you said authentic, because, you know, in the travel business, as we're all writing about people wanting to do authentic cultural experiences, which is great. It's what travel's all about. But what you're saying is we've kind of got the balance wrong. We've gone a little bit too far the wrong way, would you say? Yeah, um, I, 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 I don't know about too far, but I just I think at one point we weren't even looking at it because we were so focused on the big problems. And those big problems are different problems. But like when you take an ecosystem like the Galapagos Islands, for instance, that's so small, now, over tourism for that um, you know, for that region as bigger kind of cruise ships want to push in because they've had regulations to regulate that region for for a very long time. Um, you know, it's over tourism looks very different. You know, for that region because it's very small. Antarctica, when, which often people are you know say is the last wild frontier, but more and more bigger uh, ships and groups want to see it. Um, and so, but it's still uh, small compared to how people were viewing over tourism. So I think it just has to be defined differently. Like everything, when something first comes out, there's the hotspots that everyone focuses on to create the awareness. Um, just like when Al Gore came up with Inconvenient Truth, it really highlighted the the real, you know, um, excuse the pun, burning problems. But then when we, when we actually kind of, um, you know, you know, defined it in our own lives and in, within our own industries, it, it took on a, whole, a life of its own. And I think over tourism is like that as well. Sure. Um, Tyson, we have to say thank you for joining us all the way from rainy Canada. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, you've won many awards as a filmmaker, but this is your first documentary feature. Um, what inspired you to make The Last Tourist and, and what are you hoping uh, you know, the message will come across to the audience? Well, I've, I've worked in the travel industry for the last 20 years um, and also you know, as a journalist and filmmaker. Um, in, you know, in, in early 2018, the timing was quite serendipitous. Um, Bruce um, Poontip and, you know, the team at G Adventures um, approached me about making a, tel making a film about uh, responsible travel. And, I mean, a lot of the themes um, I quite identified with because over the last 20 years I've traveled to, you know, over 70 different countries. Um, and, you know, we, at, at that time, um, you know, we bounced a number of ideas off of, you know, uh, back and forth and kind of recognized that, you know, that the world was ready for a film, um, you know, that that was akin to what an inconvenient truth did, you know, for the global conversation on our relationship with with uh, climate change or what the film Food Inc. did on our global conversation about our relationship with, you know, with our food sources. You know, we we sort of, you know, had a very unique opportunity to write and create a film um, that that had the ability to change um, and spark a global conversation uh, regarding our relationship with tourism and the impact that we have uh, with communities as we visit them. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Bruce, in the doc in the documentary in the Last Tourist, you describe travelers as unconscious consumers. Um, mm -hmm. Surely, many of the problems of over tourism are caused just by a lack of knowledge or understanding by travelers. Would you agree? I think I think in a, in a lot of ways, yeah. I, uh, but but I think that that in general, um, travel. You know, we're marketing travel in a way that that, that we're hoping that people don't think um, within the travel industry. We're hoping that people don't actually you know scratch the surface and realize how dangerous some of the things we're doing are long term and how unsustainable they are. And that's just not the actual activity, but actually this path that we're on for 
you know, um, continuous growth, like infinite growth um, for, you know, public companies that have to deliver continuous growth for shareholders when there's an infinite, uh, there's not an infinite supply of, you know, iconic destinations and, and spots available to see some of the most precious places in the world. So these two things are, are not sustainable and they conflict. And I think that, you know, as we kind of, you know, just as, as we kind of push for more and more growth, continuous growth um, uh, in the travel industry, we actually hope sometimes that people um, don't don't ask questions uh, when they look at what what what's what's really happening. Um, like like some, some like the 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 way you know resorts are all inclusives are growing bigger and bigger, taking up more and more co coastlines right across the world. Um, the race to build bigger and bigger ships. Um, I mean. People are now starting to ask questions, and that's why it's you know it's the perfect time for the last tourist as a film. But I think I think traditionally we we're hoping that people will you know do exactly what they've been doing is which is buy their holidays based on price, commoditizing experience, right? By you know you're buying capacity at some point. You're no longer buying experience, and when the destination no longer becomes relevant, and you're buying kind of amenities over destination, I think it's just a very dangerous place to be for us in the travel industry. And Tyson, you mentioned how many countries you went to during the filming. I think you said it was 16 and it took you about three years to put it all together. I mean, were you aware of these issues before? And then as you traveled, did more and more sort of present themselves to you as you went along? Yeah, I, I think from a very, you know, surface level, I, I, I was aware of, of uh, you know, of, of many of the themes that we discussed However, you know, the, the degree and severity of, of the impact of the themes, um, you know, wasn't apparent to me until we just started pulling back the layers. And, you, you know, when it comes to, you know, the, the impact on wildlife and the impact on the environment, there's, there's so many layers and the impact is so multifaceted, um, you know, that, you know, I, I didn't have a full understanding of, you know, of, of, of the total impact. And so what the film allowed me and the filmmaking team to do was to get a much you know clearer um grasp on you know on on the impact that travel is having on host communities on wildlife and on on the environments that they visit now there's some pretty disturbing revelations in this film um uh from our research uh one of the ones that jumped out at me at me was um there's a 75 percent increase in the number of orphanages uh around the world. Um, are people setting up these institutions just to profit from gullible travelers? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Tyson. So, yeah. Um, well, that's the, the volunteer tourism industry is a rapidly growing part of the travel industry. Um, that's worth a billion dollars a year. Um, and what's, what's interesting is that we, we've, you know, we, we found that, um, orphanages are popping up, you know, 80% of all orphanages that exist in the developing world are popping up in tourist destinations. If you go to Kathmandu in Nepal, um, you'll find that, you know, any kind of orphanage experience or any kind of volunteer opportunity with children, 80% of those opportunities are right in Kathmandu, you know, right in the, in the tourist area. <clears throat> and the reason for this is because tourism directly fuels the volunteer you know, tourism industry, uh, tourism directly fuels the orphanage tourism industry. And what's really interesting to know about this industry is that 80% of these children who live in these orphanages or these childcare centers that tourists visit, 80% of these children have at least one living parent. 
So they're not actually orphanages. They're, they're a cottage industry that has sprung up um, and fueled by the travel industry. Um, and ultimately, the travel industry is fueling uh, child separation. Um, and these are some of the many things that's really important for travelers to know. So, you know, we can push back and, you know, and, and recognize the impact that we're wow. having. Bruce, you, your thoughts? You just, you know, if I can just add a couple, uh, you know, um, you know, thoughts on just volunteerism in general. Like, obviously, when you have children involved and orphanages, that's one kind of side. But there's all these like performance kind of visits to schools um, that happen along, you know, along the way with tourism today. And that's not necessarily considered volunteerism, but it's the same kind of concept where you're doing, you're having this kind of performance um, art where kids are singing and dancing for visitors and disrupting schools uh, with visitors. And, you know, and, and just in general, the idea of what volunteering wants to do, like the, the, the consumer wants to do something good, you know, and, and, you know, on the other side of the operations side, they're trying to um, create meaningful work and it's really hard to do it and sell it as a tour. And so these two things are conflicting. I'd actually have never seen it done well. Um, when it comes to volunteerism, it's just not the, the two things just can't, you know, if you want to, you know, there's great ways to volunteer and you can volunteer in this meaningful work, you know, volunteering, but it's not done through the lens of a tour company. Generally, it's done through a church or an organization that needs help with certain projects and they try and find people around those projects. As a tour operator, you're trying to schedule departures ahead of time, trying to predict work that needs to be done, you know, in various countries so you can schedule departures to create volunteerism experiences. I think it defeats the purpose of what a lot of people want to do, which is have meaningful work and mean, have a meaningful experience when they decide they want to do something good with their holiday time. Or when you send your kids away, you want them to treat something meaningful. Like we've seen experiences, we've I've had experiences where, you know, there's schoolhouses that have been, you know, painted six times this year by students that have come from different groups and painting the same school over and over just as, a, as an activity, but it's not really meaningful work anymore at a certain point. And so, Volunteer, volunteerism is such a, a uh, difficult subject because the heart of it is so, you know, is, is so meaningful because people who want to travel want to do something good, but it just does not, it doesn't work well within the structure of tour operations where you're trying to sell it to someone and put a brochure out and set departures next September when meaningful work is sometimes done with disaster relief or there's a community that need water and they need a, a, a well, you know, wells, uh, you know, uh, well dug, but they need it now as opposed to next year. Um, and so it's really, it's so, you know, it's you know, when people decide they want to do that, they should actually just, you know, um, ask questions and make sure that the work that they're doing or the, where they're sending their kids, that the work is meaningful because it's creating an industry. And volunteer, um, orphanage side of it is, you know, the, the extreme far end because it is creating a cottage industry. As you've seen, the 80% growth of orphanages, it's growing, it's growing at the same speed of tourism. That's, that's no coincidence. They're, they're feeding each other. I think you make a great point there, Bruce. It's so hard to get that balance right, isn't it, between people who want to do good things, but maybe they get led down a path that they perhaps didn't want to go down to. And then you've got the consumer who, like you said, they want to go and help, but they don't maybe know which organization is doing the right the one and which isn't. So, I mean, yeah. someone in your position, I mean, that must be really hard to, to work that one out. Well, we've been, we've been, we've been asked about volunteerism for a, a, the better part of 15 years. One of the most asked questions what we get is, you know, 
Um, the, one of the best, the, one of the questions we get the most, I get the most is, why don't, doesn't G Adventures do more volunteerism? Why don't we do volunteer? You know, it, it would match so well with your brand to have volunteer kind of, and we do do them, but th when there's actual need, we might do a, a one-off departure and, you know, we need someone in a month to help build trails where there was a flood or something like that. But it's not something that we can schedule, not something that we can build an ops operations department around, make bookings, reservations, make, you know, create everything that needs to do a tour. It's a quite a, a complex set of operations to organize. It just doesn't work sure. within within volunteering. And so, you know, I, we, I, I've, I've said for years that we just can't do it. I just can't figure out a way to do it. And I've never seen it done really particularly well. I don't know I, this is hard for a lot of companies that do volunteer like holidays, but um, they, it, you know, if someone is specialized in just that, maybe they can think of a better way to do it or a closer time to, you know, booking windows when there's actual, actual need and meaningful work that needs to be done as opposed to, you know, setting something up a year beforehand and scheduling departures. Uh, Tyson, I'm a, I'm a huge animal lover. I've got a huge, great German shepherd sitting next to me. Um, one of the other disturbing things I found out from the, the movie was 500,000 animals around the world are suffering for the sake of tourist entertainment. I mean, how can this still be happening in 2023? It, it's still happening, I think, because the travelers just aren't aware of, of the severity of it. You know, I, I think, you know, for, for example, you know, a thing that we discussed in the film is that, you know, any time that a tourist travels to Thailand and decides to take an elephant ride, it's not an isolated experience where a, a traveler just rides an elephant and then goes along with their day. There's something that's had that's happened prior to that event that's prepared that elephant and that's called uh, the pajan which is basically when the elephant is an infant it's separated from its mother its uh, trunk its tail and its legs are tied up you know to wooden poles and the that infant elephant is flogged um, for the purpose of breaking its spirit which allows it to accept a human on its back for the rest of his life um, you know these when, when, when we don't when when we take a selfie with a tiger when we go for an elephant ride these events just don't exist in isolation but there are long you know long lasting consequences there's there's some negative consequences you know to our good intentions um oftentimes because we don't understand the ripple effect impact um of our decisions yeah. and 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 I, I think that it really comes down to the to education and and which is a huge purpose why Bruce and I decided to make this film um, is because the more education we can put in the hands of the tourist, um, the more decision making power you know that that they have that's based on sound education and sound principles well the the better decisions that they'll eventually end up making and, and animal, animal welfare sorry animal welfare is actually really interesting um, point in the, the creative genesis of this project because Tyson as he went out and he really had the creative control of this whole project uh, it became more and more aware that you know we had a lot of content on the animal welfare side because it's so prevalent and it's growing right this whole dolphin encounter um, thing that's going on right now some people want to kind of jump in a in a in water and just swim around with a dolphin um, the, the industry and, and the machine behind that and the amount of deaths of dolphins to get the ones that will, will do what they're where that will swim with people or guide them around. It's huge. And, and, and what Tyson has just mentioned there was kind of the, you know, the, the dark side where you see drugged lions in Mexico taking pictures with people and monkeys. And stuff. But there's a real big industry, too, with these 
you know, with circuses and and um, you know uh, marine animals flipping around in 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 these um, in these parks. I actually spoke at a conference this week, and someone came up to me who, who their attraction was an African lion safari in Canada. It's covered in snow. I said, "Well, where are the lions? Like, where are you keeping the lions right now?" It's like there's like six feet of snow here in Canada, and uh, they said that uh, that they are in barns at the moment until the snow melts. And I and so this is an African lion safari experience for people. And you know, it's it's a different level because not training those animals. They're not, you know, it's not like the elephant, but there's just so many levels of it, and it's growing. It's not a, it's not actually reducing. Like the, the the farms that are being created to match the demand off cruise ship day trips for dolphin encounters. It's extraordinary. It's a huge industry that's just growing and growing. And it's not every dolphin that's trained actually becomes, you know, um, suitable to swim with with people. There's hundreds that die. Uh, thousands that die in the process of getting one um, that will actually, you know, that will actually, you know, allow itself to be trained. So does it take documentaries like The Last Tourist to increase that uh, education, that awareness? I, I think that's it, it's one way. It's one avenue, you know, and, you know, and, and we want to do our part. And, you know, we, we used our skills and our resources to create this film. But I, I think that there's many other ways, you know, that the travelers can become educated on these these themes. And, and, you know, Matt, I was, I was just going to add, you know, the one thing that I heard as we've kind of gone around to play this film is, you know, there's nothing new in this film. No one is surprised by it. Uh, it's hard to see it. But nobody, it, there's no revelations in here that people really didn't know. You certainly didn't, but you didn't know maybe the extent of it. But you know that an elephant or a tiger or bears in circuses that walk on their hands or, you know, or monkeys that box or play soccer uh, for shows, they don't do that naturally. So we all know that there's some level of cruelty towards training animals to do these things. Uh, but we don't know the extent of it. It's, it's just, it's, you know, so documentaries like this are just maybe just, you know, reaffirming what you already know, or maybe showing you the the reality of what it looks like sometimes. And, you know, we actually, I thought Tyson was um, very generous um, with this film to not be too, like there are some difficult scenes, um, but not not a lot. It was, it's more, it, it, it does leave you to just, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, 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 people being interviewed about what they're seeing and, you know, and, you know, just viewing what everyone can actually see with their eyes. There's no like secret cameras or gotcha moments or, you know, it's going around. It's, it is, it is all out there. And, you know, most people that came out of, and that's when you, you know, it's a really, really good documentary where you learn something that you already know, but you learn it in more depth and it gives you empathy towards what, you know, what you kind of already knew. Sure, it's going to be an eye-opening experience. Sorry, Tyson, you were about to say something. I was going to say that you know re research does show you know that that it, it takes several touches for people to actually change their habits. Um, you know, and so I mean, you know, we we will share this message, um, but hopefully, people will learn about these things from other sources, and will, it will be reaffirmed. But people may need to be touched 10, 12 times with the same message in order to actually change their habits. Well, you mentioned question I wanted to ask for both of you guys. Sorry, Matt. Um, question I wanted to ask both of you guys. Um, Bruce, you, you you touched on it earlier that these are multi-million dollar industries. Well, not maybe maybe not all of them, but a lot of them make a lot of money for people. <laughs> are you happy with the fact that this documentary is going to expose some of these people and potentially put them out of business? Um, you know, that's 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 never the intention. Um, and even though that that's sometimes you know, it, 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 we, we, I mean, 
Tyson really is was really more in control of the 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 creative content on that. Naturally, me being in the tourism industry, I'm far more emotional about these things about because it's an industry that I'm in, and I would like to see uh, less and less people do um, a destructive, more destructive travel. Um, but no, so I, you know, it's it's something that I, I I think about, but at the same time. We really go on, we really want to educate people and for people to make their own decisions. Like we definitely didn't want to be the Oliver Stone of, of uh, documentaries where we, ha you know, put everything in your face and try to, you know, to guide you along the path. The goal was to just, you know, set out a, a, a set of you know, facts, as, 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 as many facts as possible and, and, you know, things that people see with their own eyes. And so, and if you put it in front of them in a compelling way, that they'll, it'll create some change. Now, Tarsen, um, before you um, before we started recording, uh, you mentioned that uh, the COVID pandemic forced the last tourist to have a bit of a reassessment uh, and a, a slight change of tack. Um, has COVID, in, and this is a question for both of you, has has COVID given us a golden opportunity to reassess uh, what the word tourist means and how we can you know change the future before we do any real irreparable damage? Do you want to take that one, Bruce? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, there is a golden opportunity for sure. Um, you know, um, people are. You know, it's not going to change everybody. You know, there's always going to be that mainstream travel. There's always going to be a cruise industry. There's always going to be a compound resort, all inclusive industry. But more and more people, you know, COVID is, it hasn't gone away. We've all learned to live with it. So now that there's inherent risk in travel, uh, people travel has to be pretty important for you to want to to want to go. It either has to be a priority that you've, you know, that it was important for you before, and now you haven't been able to travel for two years, so it's at the top of your list. Or in order for you to travel now, it's got to be pretty meaningful for you. Um, and so I think that that's the best place we can be within the travel industry, where people travel with a bit more purpose and meaning, um, and actually want to go to a country because it means something to them and it's worth the inherent risk, I guess. Um, not that, you know, it should be dangerous, you should be, you know, risking your life to go traveling. But I think giving people being more purposeful is is really critical. I think just before COVID, you know, as a travel industry, we were selling amenities. You know, the destination was no longer relevant. People didn't actually care where they went if they could get the choice of four different restaurants. They got Broadway shows, indoor surfing, you know, zip lining, all the entertainment that you could have, thread counts on sheets. It's all about amenities, and the the destination is no longer relevant. And if we got to if we get there, I think it's very dangerous for us to be in the travel industry. So coming out of COVID. Where more and more people, if they're going to travel, they have to. It has to be more meaningful to them. We're seeing people wanting to travel longer and deeper, not taking three or four trips a year, taking one for three weeks and staying and learning more about the country. And so, it's more meaningful where they go. And I think that that's that's just a great place to be for us. That leads me nicely into our, our last question. We've we've been talking about some very deep subjects. We like to end with a little bit of lightheartedness. Gentlemen, um, the world is, uh, as you say, uh, opening up again. Uh, we'd like to ask both of you, where are some of the places you'd like to be going or will be going uh, on your travels this year? Tyson, you want to go first? Absolutely. Um, well, my, yeah, I, I have several travels coming up. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, over the last, you know, four or five years, my travel choices have changed. Um, and, uh, I've actually started sailing a lot more, you know, and, and trying to incorporate, um, travel experiences that use, you know, that, that are less reliant on fossil fuels. Um, and so I, I have several, uh, um, trips coming up, uh, to, to, uh, sailing to French Polynesia, to, um, the Bahamas and also to Norway at the end of the year. Wow. Very nice. And Bruce. 
Yeah, those are great. Wind power. Well, so before COVID, <laughs> uh, my trip that got canceled was Japan. So, and I haven't gone back yet. I'm going next month now um, to re to do that. I want to see the the, the cherry blossoms in spring. Um, well, uh, north northern hemisphere spring, um, uh, and so April next month is I'm going back to Japan, and that was the trip that was canceled. So that I feel like uh, uh, you know is is a trip that I just felt like I have to complete. I'm actually going to see a, an international sumo wrestle sumo wrestling tournament. Right. Um, it's also part of that trip. That the, the cherry blossoms was kind of the side thing, actually. But uh, I really want Are to you see watching this. or taking part, Bruce? <laughs> Just watching. Yeah. Uh, so, what are you saying, actually, John? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job this is online because I can't see you. So, you know, I haven't seen you for a few years. So, I don't know whether you've you've got sumo sumo but, fit. <laughs> but then the next one for me is this summer. I want <laughs> this summer. I want to go to Italy. I know that sounds boring, but that was the other trip that got canceled that I never really got to do. So I feel like I'm catching up, but those are the, the new, next two trips for me. Summer, this summer, Europe and Italy specifically, and uh, off to Japan. Lovely. Beautiful. Well, we hope, Tyson, you come and see us when you come down to Australia. Love to. Yeah. Well, Bruce and, and Tyson, thank you so much, guys, that uh, we could speak for hours on this subject. It's, it's such an um, important uh, message that you are delivering. We hope that um, <clears throat> The Last Tourist is a big box office smash. Uh, you can catch it on streaming platforms in Australia from March the 21st, I've been told. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining us on Talking Travel. Good luck with the film and all your endeavours in the future. Thanks for listening to Talking Travel. Until next time, travel well, travel safe, but most importantly, travel now. Nothing beats traveling somewhere new, right? Out there in the world, visiting incredible places, trying amazing food, getting to know extraordinary cultures. When people travel with Intrepid, it's even better than that. It's good. Good for the planet. Good for people. Good for you. Intrepid small group trips are designed for socially and environmentally conscious people who seek out the good in the world. To find a trip that's good for people and planet, visit IntrepidTravel.com. Intrepid. Good trips only.